Hi, True Crime Family. I'm K-Mac. And I'm The Answer. And this is Bad Human. Hi, True Crime Family. Welcome to Bad Human, where we discuss those humans that reside at the bottom of the morality bell curve. Before we get started today, I have just a real quick story to share. The answer doesn't know that this happened today, but oh, no. I get asked quite a bit from people if, because we are literally immersed in crime, mm-hmm. if like I still get scared from things, if, you know, I think the boogeyman is around or am I completely just doesn't impact me today. I was working in my office and all of a sudden I heard this crashing sound and I thought it was coming from the basement. So instead of coming down to check, because even though our studio is down here, I can't come down here during the day alone. It's like when you're a kid. In my office, I unlocked the window, lifted the screen. That way, if there was somebody in the basement and they came upstairs, I could just escape. Right, And the dog was at daycare, to be clear. I was not going to leave her behind. So I'm sitting on conference calls. And I have my mace next to me. I have the window like at any moment ready to just be an escape route. And I learned later that it was just really windy today. I had knocked over one of our Christmas decorations. I literally at one point almost called my dad to come over and check. Mm. <laughs> I'm 41 years old. So to answer your question, yes, even though we are constantly surrounded by crime, things do still scare the shit out of me. And you, I'm sure, had everything locked up like Fort Knox, except for the window. I did. I had the window in my office unlocked, and I lifted the screen. So literally, if somebody came in, I would just have to lift the window and dive headfirst out. Well, if it would have been that bad and we had had the dog here, she would have barked and then licked them. That's true. Anyhow, so that was how my day started. Thank you to everyone who has left a uh, review or if you have left a rating, if you've sent us a message on Instagram. We say this every week, but it is absolutely true. It really makes our day. Well, it makes my day because I always text the answer and say, oh, my God, somebody gave a shit and told us that they like us. Hey, they gave more than a shit. They liked it. We have a few reviews that we're going to read next episode, but thank you. And if you do have a moment, if you're enjoying this experience and you could leave a review or a rating, that would be amazing. It A, lets us know that you're enjoying this. Also, the true crime podcast area is very congested. And anything that we could do just to know that you are enjoying this makes us feel good. It's always helpful to hear from you, whether it's good, bad, and indifferent. Correct. All the bad comments goes to the answer. Okay, thank you for correcting me. Thank you for saying I was correct once. Today's case was a last minute addition. We originally had something else planned, but this is just played out yesterday. Oh boy. And I received a lot of questions from people if we were going to cover it. Some people didn't even know about it. So I figured since it's relevant, let's cover this today. And then we're going to be back on course starting tomorrow. Okay. Plus that means three episodes this week. So Mel will shut his goddamn mouth and not complain about only getting one episode a week. Mel has now become... Even though I, even though we adore Mel, now he has become the antichrist of the mm-hmm. podcast. Anything that's wrong is always Mel's fault. Yeah, so if you don't like something out there, address it to Mel. Even if you don't know Mel, 
even if it's something that has nothing to do with the podcast, if something goes wrong in your life, just say, God damn it, Mel. Yeah, put that as your header. God damn it, Mel. Mm. On August 15th, 2016, at around 9.20 p.m., police received a 911 call from a male. And I'm sorry, I'm going to start real quick. This case has a lot of trigger alerts, cannibalism, very aggressive violence, and drug use. Oh, boy. If it's not your thing, we have 24 other episodes. <laughs> Maybe go catch up on one of those. Just want to put that out there. Re-listen to it. Yeah. Give it a re-listen. It's like when you watch a movie again and you catch things that you didn't catch the first time. Yeah. Take two. On August 15th, 2016, at around 9.20 p.m., police received a 911 call from a male who stated he had just been stabbed and the suspect was still there. What would eventually take four police officers, a taser, a canine, and repeated kicks to the face to get the suspect off one of the victims whose face he was violently attacking with his teeth would become a tale of drugs, privilege, controversial jailhouse tapes, and innocent lives and families destroyed all by one individual. Today, we're going to cover Austin Hariff. Oh, boy. Is it Hariff or Hariff? Uh, I literally just checked this before we started. Yeah, that you did. You were, you were. He'll be Austin for the story. Well, he's yeah, also we can a, always just go by Austin. A spoiled piece of shit. But anyhow. Well, yeah, you could say that too. Well, you don't know this story. Well, I don't. But from what you just, <laughs> what the disclaimer at the beginning, yeah. it doesn't seem like I'll be a fan. It's pretty contentious. Born December 21st, 1996 to Wade and Mina Haroff. I think it's Haroff. Austin was one of two. He also had a sister. On the surface, Austin appeared to be a stellar son, top student, an athlete, by all accounts, a pretty well-liked individual. Normal. Childhood, there wasn't a whole lot. I think it was the standard. His dad was a dentist, had his own practice. They were very well off. His parents got divorced. Dad got a new girlfriend. But for the most part, nothing I found about his childhood up until the story that we're about to get to seemed too out of place. I think he was just a spoiled rich kid. Mm, okay. At the time of the crime, the 19-year-old was enrolled in Florida State University as a sophomore, um, and he was studying pre-exercise science. What is, what's that? It's the exercise before the exercise. The, the science of the exercise? <laughs> it's what we do. It's when you get ready to go to the gym, but mm -hmm. you don't go. <laughs> See, the, like science, the science behind you not going to the gym. Yeah, I don't know if anybody out there is a pre expert Maybe, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to shit on it. Oh, I just, me I'm not smart enough know to know what it is. What it is. Yeah. I mean, I, maybe that's what you do. It's where you pay for the gym every month, but then you don't go. That's the pre -ex That's the financial science behind. I went. Get your feet off my fucking chair. The year leading up to the murders, his behavior was off the charts. If you have not, if you don't know a lot about this story, I strongly suggest that you watch the victim impact statements that were made yesterday, especially by one of the victim's sisters. She fucking killed it. She literally, she talked for about 40 minutes and she was hell bent because spoiler alert, he isn't charged with anything because he's found insane, mentally incompetent. Oh. 
So she says, listen, if you are going to be let off by this crime and go into a, a mental facility, a hospital, I'm going to make sure everyone knows, though, who you really are. And she went ham. <laughs> she had she spent the first part of her victim impact statement reading excerpts of his text messages leading up to a year, a year leading up to the day of the crime. This kid was out of fucking control. He was talking about doing acid. He was constantly drunk, like text, like drunk, drunk, yo, so drunk. Yo, I need like a bitches to snort Coke off my dick. Like just the stuff that you're like, shut the fuck up. Like, it, like mm. talking about, yeah, I blacked out. I woke up at this house with this chick. I don't even know if we did it. So drunk, need mushrooms, need Adderall, need Addy. I mean, she destroyed him and just oh. read all these text messages. Listen, Sounds like a regular all-American right there. We all did shit in college, okay? Or if you didn't go to college, like in your in those years, yeah. right? In your 20s, yeah. right? College or not. Yeah, I didn't go to college. But Is that you? you know? yeah, I'm no, sure I you still that, had no. plenty of we fun. We still had plenty of fun, Yes. I wasn't out there asking for shrooms or anything like that. Yeah. So it's just the the text messages talking about how he's a psycho. Yeah, I'm a psycho. I'm a, you know, quoting Eminem, just drank a fifth of vodka, Jeremy a drive. So now we have him thinking he's a rapper, oh, which we'll get to later. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm super excited about this. Anyhow, so the point of this, uh, A, is she, the sister is my hero. Good for her. Destroyed him. And again, these weren't just stupid texts. The this kid had a problem like every day getting just blackout drunk, acid, LSD, really shitty behavior. Family and friends had also noticed a change in Austin's behavior weeks before the murders. He started to claim that he had superpowers and he was immortal. All of a sudden became interested in religion. Oh, well, he's immortal. He'll be in that hospital for a long time. When he was home staying with the family, his sister was so scared of him and his weirdo behavior that she would lock her door at night. Smart. Leading up to the day of the crime, investigators said that he purchased mushrooms a few days before the attack. There were no traces of the drug found in his blood, but the that amount of pretty fast, huh? I'm the amount of partying that this kid and not just partying. Cause again, I get it. This was even there were texts that his friends had said, you need to get help. <laughs> this has gone too far for you. Getting kicked out of frat houses. He was found naked in a pile of puke, and he thought it was just so cool, and he's a party guy. So that's that was the behavior leading up to this. True American hero. The day before this happened, there was a text message from his dad to him saying, did you throw the drugs out? Did you throw the drugs out? You didn't answer me. And then he wrote back to his dad, learn. No one knows what that means. One of the other changes, and by the way, his parents were very aware of his drug abuse. A, clearly, because they were asking if he's threw out mm. the drugs. Second, but you had to know he was going to lie. Secondarily, we'll get to where his mom says that she asked him to go to rehab. So this wasn't something that they were totally shocked yeah, this wasn't by his behavior. Field. This has been building up. The day before the attacks, they also had purchased a knife. They were at a, a knife show, and his dad bought him a knife. 
Keep in mind also about a week or so leading up to this, they had noticed a difference in his behavior to the point that they had made an appointment for him to see a psychiatrist. You clearly think that your son is taking some sort of narcotics or drugs, right? Because you're asking him if he still has them. You're concerned about his behavior to the point that you make an appointment with him to see a psychiatrist. And then you buy him a fucking knife the day before. Makes sense to me, which will end up being the murder weapon. Oh. One of the murder weapons. On the morning of the attack... Austin had walked to his father's house to pick up the car he had left there the night before. When he got there, his father had talked to him about his concern that Austin wasn't sleeping. His dad offered him a Valium. He told that's why, investig- that's why he's only a dentist and not a doctor. He told investigate. It doesn't take a fucking genius to realize that your kid, <laughs> no. there's clearly something wrong. Oh yeah. You're telling him to get rid of the mushrooms, but here's a Valium that's not Val- prescribed to you. Valium is a lot less. And when we get to the end, we'll talk about culpability of the parents mm-hmm. and what are some of the options there. The dad had said during an, an interview with investigators, he gave him the Valium Austin threw it on the floor and said, it will not be controlled by you. In a reaction to that, his dad took his son's keys away. And then his son, Austin, he said, jumped on the hood of his car and dented it. This kid's 19, by the way. And this is how his behavior is. Daddy took my keys. I'm going to jump on the hood of his car and dent it. Well, if he said, you're not going to control me with the Valium, he should have like, offered him more drugs because he's like, you're not going to control me. And then maybe he wouldn't have done any drugs. That, I don't even understand what the fuck just happened. Because he offered him Valium and he threw it on the ground and said, you're not going to So his dad should have offered him LSD and mushrooms maybe and PCP. Maybe he would have been like, you're not mm-hmm. going to control me. I'm not going to do this stuff. He's like, I, maybe his, his dad would be like, I want you to be a total washout flunky. And this is why we like, have a dog and not a human child. No. Because your parenting is starting to already terrify Reverse him. psychology. We also did leave our dog at daycare, by the way. So that's also why we don't have... Human children, random, just real quick pivot. We were hanging out at the Stone Toad. We love the Stone Toad as our local watering hole. And I had taken Charlotte to Tailwaggers. We'd had a few cocktails, hung out with some friends, and had to leave because we had to go to my dad's house for dinner. We were about halfway home, and I realized the dog was still at daycare. And I told Andrew that and he was like oh you're fucking with me and kept driving I'm like no bro we really need to yes she did call me bro turn around the dog is at the fucking daycare <laughs> again this is why we don't have human children like we we got her before they closed and still got everywhere yeah. we needed but to shout be. out to Stone Toad to April and Greg and all of our friends there because thanks for the drinks April we almost forgot the dog at freaking tailleggers <laughs> anyhow so back to the story Wade took the keys because Austin wouldn't take Valium. <laughs> Basically, Austin jumps on the hood of his dad's car Total and normal dented reaction. it. And so the dad says, so I gave him the keys back so he wouldn't damage my car any further. Smart. So clearly this child has been raised with discipline mm-hmm. and consequences. With an iron fist. He texted him after he left and said, you damaged my car, to which Austin replied back to him again, just learn. I don't know what learn means. Maybe it's because I'm older. Maybe if there's we'll somebody look it up out in the there that knows dictionary. what it means to respond back, which is learn, let us know on our Instagram page. I, maybe we should know this and we're just too old. 
Also the same day leading up to the attack, a person familiar with the family had given CBS 12 um, news to Snapchats Austin had sent just hours before the attack. The pictures show him making faces for the camera and the words Trump and the horse captioned on the images. No clue. It's not clear what they mean. Clearly something was going on. Here we go into this gruesome, this, there were seasoned police officers in Southern Florida that said, I have never seen anything even mildly close to how gruesome this crime scene was. The evening of August 15th. So we've dented daddy's car. We turned down some, some volume. We posted Trump and the horse, whatever. It was like, come on, dad, I'm an adult. Don't give me volume. He was out for dinner with his father when he began acting erratically and left. Apparently they were at a restaurant called Duffy's and his father said that he got up to go to the bathroom and didn't return. Not a sponsor. Yeah. Duffy's not a sponsor. Austin had apparently walked two miles to his mother's house. Once inside, he attempted to drink a bottle of cooking oil with Parmesan cheese mixed in it. So he mixed some oil and cheese. She stopped him she then asked him if he wanted her to drive him back to Duffy's, and he said yes, because that's normal behavior. So let's just shove our child right back out into the public. Not my problem. Yeah, it's not my problem. It's Tag, problem. not it. She told him on the drive there that I'm worried about you. She later told investigators this, that she had said to him, I'm worried about you. She says, I don't remember the exact words I said. It was along the lines of, I want to take you to counseling. We have this appointment. Maybe someone outside, you can talk to them if you're not comfortable talking to us. And she asked him, will you go? And he said, okay, I'll go. Oh, yeah. Which is what every addict says. Yeah, he was just saying that because he knew he was going back to Duffy's to get that two-for-one special on wings. So she drops him back off at Duffy's. No sooner had he arrived back that there's another argument between him and his dad. He got back there. He got into a fight with his dad. His dad would tell investigators that he basically said to him, what the hell are you doing? He didn't say anything. The dad grabbed him by the collar and said, what the hell are you doing? Austin got pissed and walked out again. So this is the second time that he left. Right after dropping her son back off at Duffy's, her, his mom called the police. In the police report, she tells the dispatcher that her son Austin had been saying odd things, like he has superpowers or he's seen monsters. In the call, you can hear her tell the dispatcher that Austin had left dinner around 8.30. He'd been acting delusional for the last week or so. He'd been acting strange. When the dispatcher asked her if he'd been taking drugs, the mother um, said she asked him, and he said no, which oh, like he's yeah. going to say yes. His mother also mentioned to the dispatcher that he does not have his ID on him. His cell phone does not have a cell phone. The only thing he has on him is a pocket knife switchblade. Oh, that can narrow it. The knife they bought the day before. Mm -hmm. If you are so concerned about your son's behavior that you are calling 911, why in the fuck are you dropping him back off in a public forum? Yeah, why don't you just drop him off at the hospital? With a knife. Well, that's all. You I don't have kids, so I try not to pass judgment on how I would parent. I do have nieces and nephews, though, and I can tell you that if our niece or nephew rolled over here and started to drink olive oil with a dash of parm, 
had said they had superpowers, walked two miles to get to my house, and then I wouldn't just go drop them back off with a knife and then call 911. I, I would like to think I wouldn't. It's easy to say that. But actually, I wouldn't. I, there's no argument. I mean, it depends on the age as far as what when they're going to try and drink the olive oil and Parmesan cheese. Well, olive oil is also expensive. It depends if it's the fancy kind, I guess. Like if you get, they could get the Parmesan. We would give them the Parmesan infused. So now we get to the murder. We're going to start with Austin's version, and then we'll go with what's in the police report. And what? Because you mean what really happened? Things. After the second argument with his dad, he left, right? And he mm-hmm. walked four miles towards the home. And this was random, by the way. He did not know these people. They're not just people. They're humans. They're you know, John and, and Michelle. So I don't mean to sound disrespectful. He walked four miles reaching the home of 59-year-old John Stevens and his wife, 53-year-old Michelle Stevens. Uh, Mishkon is, I think, how you say her maiden name. Okay. This is when things get super graphic. So just heads up for here's everyone. Your, here's your trigger. This is where he would enter their open garage and murder them. Austin told a TV psychiatrist, I'm sorry, Austin told Dr. Phil, because of course everyone goes on Dr. Phil. I used to love Dr. Phil. I'm starting to lose interest. You were on Dr. Just Phil. Just out of it. As an audience member. As an audience member, to be clear, yes. We should, we got to add a dramatic pause to that. Austin did an interview with Dr. Phil, basically right after this, which is ridiculous, and told Dr. Phil he was escaping a demon that he called Daniel, and he only has a vague recollection of the killings. His version is that he encountered Michelle in the couple's garage. She screamed, and then it's a blur. I don't remember what she said. I just remember being yelled at, he said. He said he grabbed a machete, but does not remember why he killed her and her husband. And these people sound like beautiful human beings. At the end, as we do, right, we'll talk about them. But they just sounded like stellar human beings. And they were retired, living their best life, just terrible. He drank a range of chemicals that were in the couple's garage that gave him critical injuries. We'll get to more of that later in the police report. When police arrived at the house, they found the couple dead and Austin biting at John's face. Since the incident, Austin says he can't remember the details, but believed that God and demons were talking to him as he attacked them. It's like the... It's like the George Carlin bit. How come when they're talking to you, they always tell you to do something like this and not, hey, go take a shit on the about, on the salad bar at Wendy's? How about, That's the George Carlin. How bit. about tell someone how to cure cancer? Yeah. Where's that Where's that voice? Oh, obviously that one's fake, but this one to go That's tell me and do that shit is real. Here's the real version per the police report. Mm-hmm. On August 15th, 2016... At around 9.20 p.m., police received a 911 call from a male who stated he had been just stabbed and the suspect was still there. The caller was identified as Jeffrey Michael Fisher. He would later be transported to the hospital. He would survive his injuries. This guy is a fucking hero. He, I mean, unfortunately, he couldn't save um, the victims, but he tried. I give him a lot of credit for, for selflessly going over to try to save John and Michelle. Jeff Jeffrey said that he was going to bed around 915. I don't know if he goes by Jeff or Jeffrey. I'm just going to call him Jeffrey out of respect. Um, I doubt he's listening, but just to acknowledge that. He said he was going to bed around 915 and heard a female screaming. 
He went to the front door to see what was going on and observed a male hitting Michelle inside the garage of her home. He entered the garage to find Michelle lying in a pool of blood and not moving. He then said to, uh, that Austin turned to him and said, you don't want to, you don't want to do this, you don't want a part of this. And then Austin struck him on the side of the head and kept hitting him. He noticed he was bleeding from the head where Austin had, been, had hit him. He was somehow able to hit Austin, um, to get up and then hit Austin and pull him to the ground. And he took that opportunity to run back home where he called 911. It wasn't until he got home to call 911 that he realized he'd been stabbed multiple times. The one thing I didn't find in the police report is where was John when, um, we'll call him Jeff, I guess. When Jeff was there, I tried to find, from what I read, Michelle was attacked first. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he like had then incapacitated John maybe. And then, and then continued to attack Michelle. I'm not quite sure where John was when Jeff came over is what I'm saying. Clearly John was not able to do something because again, the love they had for each other. One of his daughters said that when they went through their house, they found a box that they had saved like every letter. They wrote love letters to each other. They saved anniversary cards. It was a beautiful relationship. So I firmly believe that he had to have already been attacked. There's no way he wouldn't have Mm -hmm. died defending Michelle. He noticed that he was bleeding um, and he had been stabbed. He said that he heard Austin yell something to him while he was running away, but he wasn't sure exactly what he said. When police arrived, this is when it gets super, super gory. When police arrived, they found Austin choking and biting John. They said that Austin was biting John and spitting out the flesh. I'm not going to go into any more real detail than that. A, because it's disgusting. B, this family has been through Enough. far too much, especially with the bullshit of what happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. Just I'm sure in our minds, we can all picture the graphic nature of this. The first deputy um, tried to get him off at gunpoint. So a, a female officer arrived and at gunpoint tried to get him off of John. He wouldn't get off of him. This is controversial. Why didn't they just shoot the fucking kid? Mm-hmm. There have been comments made that this was definitely due to race and the fact that it was an affluent neighborhood. There's some there's people who definitely feel there may have been some prejudice in this um, and some privilege that have played into this case. I don't agree or disagree. We'll get to that at the end. So I'm not skirting around it. I'm just telling the story as it is for right now. But um, I don't know if they were afraid they were going to hurt John, but you could have probably still found a way to hit Austin. Yeah. Without hurting John. Finally, a second deputy arrived. They noticed that John had been stabbed multiple times in the torso. When the second officer arrived, he again said that Austin was biting John and just you you get it. They also said that he was wearing minimal clothing. He was only wearing a blue T-shirt and silk boxer. So he was basically almost naked. God, are you shake it off, Murds. Our dog's name is Charlotte. We call her C Murder, which has now become Murds. She has like 40 nicknames. Anywho, the second deputy then, um, as I said, they arrived. They saw John had been stabbed. They tried to taser Austin. He still would not let go. This uh, deputy also started kicking Austin in the head, which temporarily caused Austin to let go. But he immediately jumped back on John again, the victim. Jesus. A canine finally arrives. This kid, it, and people, the, all the officers are like, this was like some superhuman 
like meth strength. I mean, so they're... So maybe he wasn't lying about the superpowers? He had to have been on something. And what's bullshit is that the tox reports come back and they claim that there was nothing in his system. A lot of people think that he had been on like Flocka or Basalt, something that gives you that just superhuman strength. They The canine arrived. They deploy the dog. So now you have a gun pointed at him, an officer, and the picture is he got wrecked. Like this kid, the officer, kicking him in the head, tasing him multiple times. Now you have a canine that latched onto his arm and he still kept attacking John. They were finally able to drag him off of John and cuff him. Yeah. I'm nothing. My ass. Austin yelled while they were cuffing him. Fucking kill me. Fucking kill me. Shoot me now. I deserve to die. Fair. Don't think anybody's arguing that. While he was taken into custody, the teen also stated, help me. I ate something bad. When the deputy asked him what he ate, Austin replied, humans. Well, he was transported yeah. to uh, St. Mary's Trauma Center. Um, while he was in the hospital, surrounded by law enforcement, a detective observed the teen spit out human flesh from his mouth. They also found human hair inside of his mouth, according uh, to an arrest warrant. Gross. He had consumed some sort of chemical in the garage, as I said earlier, and at the time, uh, he had a malfunctioning liver, fluid in his lungs, and a bleeding esophagus um, from the chemicals he ingested and was unable to speak for a few days after this. Nobody feels fucking bad for you. No. At the crime scene, uh, police found uh, several items. They found a blade. They found some other edged weapons. They found the knife, um, the pocket knife we talked mm -hmm. about earlier. A pair of scissors and a corkscrew. Excuse me. There was also like an iced tea bottle with blue liquid inside of it, some scotch. They didn't know if those were um, Austin's, but they took them. Just in case. Yeah. These pictures, like he just went and he, I mean, he stabbed him again with a wine opener with scissors, a knife. Ugh. Let's see. Um, so like I said, the sheriff had theorized that Austin could have been under the influence of synthetic drugs. Again, similar to Flocka or Basalt, based on his chaotic behavior. The hospital checked for what they call a routine drug screen for marijuana, cocaine, opioids, 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 and a few other drugs. None were in their system. This is a point of contention to Yeah. There's no way. There's no way there was nothing. None. Especially when they try to argue that he was mentally incapacitated at the time but uh, listen and they say he, he is bipolar mm -hmm. and had manic episodes i know people who are bipolar that doesn't give you necessarily this superhuman strength yeah. there is substance i feel like there had to be substance involved there there's no doubt in my mind there was something in a system maybe not one thing multiple things after the incident, the parents were interviewed. I'm not going to go through all the bullshit that they had to say to try to cover their own ass. This I did find entertaining. Not that any of this is entertaining to me. It's just so ridiculous. Like, this mm -hmm. family is so ridiculous. When his dad, Wade, was interviewed, he told investigators again what happened that evening. We walked through that already. He said that he had told his son at dinner, I want my Frosty back. Stop being so serious. I want my old Austin back. Austin Frosty was the name that Austin used on his YouTube channel 
where he recorded freestyle raps. Oh, how many stars do they have? In some videos, yeah. If anybody out there has has subscribed to Austin Frosty's channel and not to Bad Medicine, which is the answers Mm -hmm. channel, you need to think about that. Yeah. But let re- us know what the like. videos are like. I refuse to give him the traffic because there's some things that are going to really suck about how this plays out because he's technically not charged because of the um, mental defect, which means you can't implement the son of Sam rule so he can profit off his crime. Oh, the court can't. There's so many other things, but that's so he how, can write a book. So Austy Frosty can write a rap about this now and make money. In some videos, he appeared to be much like any other young adult posting on social media, a goofy college student who offered fitness advice because at one point he had mentioned to friends that he wanted to get big legs. So they they think he may have been taking steroids as well. That could have been another drug he was on. I also do know people that take physically enhancing supplements Mm -hmm. and they don't bite the face off people. No. He also did claim, though, to be clear, I can't believe I forgot this, that he, um, when he attacked uh, John and Michelle, said that he was in a state of psychosis and thought that he was half human, half dog. Oh. We'll get to that later, too. Hmm. There were, like barf on uh, Spaceballs. There were, uh, I've never seen Spaceballs. I don't know. Or the Goonies. I know. This is a point of contention. Uh, we don't fight about just, money, just, religion. You no, know, I just... Your the body, your right. Disappointment isn't thrown around enough, but at least once a day. Yeah. In other videos that were more recent, Austy Frosty had can see that with a straight face. Had rapped lyrics that said he got a psycho side and a normal side. I've lost my mind. Help me find it. Mm. Like Spitting bars. The Eminem video. That night at dinner, Wade said his son had refused his pleas um, and told him that he wasn't doing drugs or drinking anymore like he had in the past, which you know was total bullshit because yeah. of the text messages. Mm-hmm. Um, Wade said the next thing he knew his son was nowhere to be found. An hour later, he told investigators that he had received a call saying Austin was home safe and had gotten right home from someone. Well, we know that's not true. Bullshit. When his mom, Mina, was interviewed... She said that she had searched with family and friends for her son, Austin, after he had left the restaurant mm-hmm. and she had called 911. Maybe you shouldn't have dropped him off. Yeah. While looking for Austin, she came upon a crime scene about a block from her ex-husband's home. She walked up to the deputy, asked the investigator if they had seen her son. He was wearing white shorts and a blue polo shirt. Remember, he had like stripped down. Yeah, to the silk. She says that she had said to authorities what's going on. They said it was a domestic dispute. So she was like, well, it can't be him. And I was so grateful it wasn't. It turned out it was. Mm. She'd walked right up to the crime scene. This trial, this happened in 2016. There were so many delays in this trial. This family, my heart just hurts for them for so many reasons. One, because this kept getting delayed. There are accusations that the family, because they could afford their rich, fancy lawyer, Mm -hmm. kept getting delays and delays and delays and stays, and it just kept dragging on. COVID happened. That created um, some challenges as well. There were jailhouse tapes that were released, and 
this these tapes make this family, including the dad, sound like just entitled pieces of shit. Oh. Austin complaining that and by the way, he's in a cell that he has his own bathroom, a TV, and a phone that he can use whenever he wants to. Ugh. You just you just literally executed two people and stabbed a third. Let's not forget about yeah. Jeff in this. And he's basically receiving all these accommodations. Oh, I'm not getting Comedy Central. This sucks. The dad had said at one point that, um, you know, referred to the victims as these fucking people that he had killed. We'll get through this. It's not that big of a deal. On the tapes, the dad's saying that it's not the son's fault. I mean, just like everybody gets a ribbon. Again, referring to the people your son just killed as these fucking people. As ludicrous. Apparently, Wade, Daddy Dentist, also talks shit about Jewish people and other people and um, didn't come off too well. Too shining. Oh, what a great guy. I'm not going to his dentistry. The expert for the defense determined in 2019 that Austin was actively psychotic during the event because he kept on attacking even when cops tased him and kicked him multiple times. He claimed the defendant suffered from clinical, I think it's uh, like anthropy, I don't know, which involves believing that you are a dog, explaining his dog-like behavior. Okay. Then go and bury a bone or something. Don't attack a person. Okay. I've They put Cujo down. Yeah. Just saying. Yes. Um. Let's see. He and the tapes, again, just talks about how he doesn't remember anything. How convenient. Right. He told the defense psychologist that he had sensed evil the night he randomly attacked them. He also says that he believes that there was maybe a dog there, but he's not sure. It's like, okay, like you're piecing shit together. You remember the judge's ruling. And here's also what happened. And I find this interesting as well. The defense had their review of him, like his review of his mental state, right? The psychologist reviewed him. The psychiatrist came back and said that he, at the time of the event was in a psychosis and therefore, he was mentally incompetent at the time. The state also had a psychologist review him and came back and agreed and said, yes, he was in a psychosis at the time of the crime. The difference is, and we'll get to this, about what you have to, essentially what has to be proven to have this as your defense, is that the state's um, doctor said that he was in a state of psychosis though because he had chosen to do drugs he put himself in a state of psychosis whereas the defense is saying that he had these mental defects that were out of his control so he was a victim of his own mind and his own state the state is saying we agree with you that he was in a a psychotic break at the time Mm -hmm. but he made choices to basically move that Mm -hmm. cause that break this will all come into play here in a minute The other thing that really sucks is that the state's doctor at the last minute, because of medical reasons, couldn't testify. So the state just said, okay, and didn't even get anybody else. That just throws it all out the window. Two years after entering the plea uh, on the grounds of insanity, 
yesterday it was accepted by the circuit court judge. Now it was supposed to be the first day of the trial. The families of the victims are going into this thinking that they're going to get their day in court. They're going to get the opportunity to defend their loved ones. Austin had chosen to do a trial by judge, not jury, which is probably smart. Smart by him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what jury, what jury is going to, listen to that and not and what I find it hard to believe a jury could be objective in that case. Mm -hmm. That's not mocking a jury. That would be really challenging. The judge said that he um, agreed with what the state and the state and the defense have to agree to these terms and they submit them to the judge. So essentially the judge accepted this um, saying that that he would be um, involuntarily committed into the custody of the department and children and family services for placement into a secure mental facility. He went through the documents and agreed um, that, well, he the judge didn't have to agree per se. He has to take what the state and the defense are presenting. He also has to, well, we'll get to this in a minute. Let's just work through this first. In the judgment, he said that two mental health experts had both said that he was in a psychosis at the time Um. And so basically he's like, this is a sad, awful case. My hands are tied though. There's nothing I can do during the victim impact statements. One of Michelle's sisters actually said to the judge, is there anything that you can do to reverse this? You know, can like anything that you can do to basically say, listen, I understand prosecution and and defense that you have agreed to this, but I call bullshit. We're going to trial. Mm -hmm. He can't do that. We'll get to this in a second. Um, so if he had been found guilty, Austin would have been sentenced to life in prison without parole. Um, as they'd already said, they were not going to pursue the death penalty. Why not? I don't know. Well, the, to me, this scream, like between yeah. this and the Parkland shooter, I don't know if I've heard two other cases that should have ended with the death penalty. Exactly. Now he's going to be committed to a state hospital. Um, it's unlikely he'll be released. I watched the lawyer, you know, it's a YouTube channel. He's awesome. And he really helps like explain things. So, if you're ever interested in learning more about the legal aspect, which I'm sure I'm butchering a lot of this, hmm. the lawyer, you know, YouTube channel is awesome. And it was really helpful of me because I, my initial reaction was the defense are a bunch of dirty scoundrels that just let this, you know, rich white boy off. The prosecution is lazy as fuck and just didn't want to have to prosecute this. And then the judge just didn't do shit about it. That was my initial reaction. I still have some thoughts but I wanted to understand from a legal perspective what happened. A, the odds of him getting released are super slim. One, just because of the horrific nature of the crime. Two, the fact is that it was two total strangers, so he poses a clear threat to society. Mm -hmm. What does an insanity plea mean? This was interesting to me. Insanity is not a reason to not be found guilty, is a reason to not be charged. So you can't be charged and then say, okay, well, my defense is I was insane it is a way to mitigate being charged so essentially if the court accepts your plea of not guilty by reason of insanity then they are saying that you are not in your right mind when you committed the crime so you cannot be charged for the crime the crime this is where things got a little hairy secondarily a lot of people again like i just said were pissed at the defense and at the the prosecution both of their doctors said that he was not mentally competent if a doctor says that, you can't just go against it and say, yeah, tough shit. I'm still going to prosecute it. 
I think there was an element of the defense and the prosecution's hands being tied based on what their, the witnesses had said and their experts had said. Does that make sense? Like the prosecutor can't just say, well, even though this psychiatrist said that you're mentally unstable and that you are insane, we don't give a shit. We're still going to charge you. It's meant to protect people who are truly mentally ill from cruel, unusual punishment. Okay. Where I'm torn, though, is that, like I said earlier, what you're not allowed to do is create your own insanity. Yeah. There's clear evidence to me that Austin partook in a shitload of drugs, and maybe that did affect his brain. Yeah. The point is, though, that he willingly and knowingly chose to get drugs. that way. That's where I, I get a little, uh. He wasn't forced to take any of those drugs. He took them all by choice. It has to be a pre-existing mental condition that is the reason for the insanity. You can't just be a shitbag that decided that you wanted to, you know, smoke bath salts to the point that you lost your mind and then you murder two innocent people and attack mm -hmm. a third. Yeah. The last thing is that people were saying, well, judge, can't you turn this around? The, a judge can't force a prosecutor to press charges. So the judge can't basically say, well, I hear prosecution that you're not going to move forward with this because of mental defect or, you know, incapacity, but I think he's a piece of shit. So I'm, I'm going to make you charge him. A judge can't force charges. Wow. That sucks. Yeah. That I know I, I I'm ugh. it's, I have like my rational brain. That's like, okay, under the law is here to protect. Unfortunately for every 100 people, the law protects correctly. You have a few that, you know, shit stains on society that make their way through. The one thing I will say is that I read articles about this as well. A state run mental facility is also not a picnic. I understand I, what a lot of the families said in their impact statements. It was the lack of the closure of a trial. Yeah. That to me is what I, I think is just really shitty. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, that was what a lot of them said is it's, it's the element of understanding that there was at least the process. And I and I understand you're saying the state-run mental facility isn't all glamorous. He'll but still it, get his three meals a day. He'll still it, get to watch TV. It's still, yes, he yep. doesn't. John yeah. and Michelle. He gets, and what a horrible way to he, die, by he the gets, way. He, he gets that. Whereas if he's in a prison, he's in a, you know what, eight by eight, and he's got other people in there that have committed just as bad as crimes like... Bottom line is that John and Michelle did not deserve it. no one. Well, I mean, I think of some people probably, but what? Yeah. Did, and the families. That that's why I Having feel that way know that's too. How your loved ones? Yeah. I want to just that's close how by. They went and he's just sitting in a mental facility instead of prison. I want to close by first acknowledging again the victim impact statements. They were fucking amazing, and the strength and the way that those sisters. John's son talked about how his dad was such a loving father, but like tough love. And there mm -hmm. was a, and his, he's super successful now because of how his dad held him accountable. He told a story about how he was 500 bucks short for a car payment and asked his dad and his dad's like, figure it out. And he's like, otherwise yeah, I'm not going to help you. Like, but he would be there for him if you really needed him. But he like really yeah. instilled in them this discipline which to me is the opposite of whatever the fuck was happening in, in Wade and, yeah. and Mina's house. They, to me, raised a... And then two separate houses. People spoke so highly and lovingly of John and Michelle. They were retired. They were living their life to the fullest. They had a boat they would go out on every weekend and go fishing. 
They love to hang out in their garage. They called it the garage Mahal. <laughs> I thought that was so, so cute. It was, and they, I mean, the neighbors, it, like at one point, uh, I think it was either Michelle or John, I can't remember. I apologize. One of their daughters was living with them for a little bit. And they said that every night, like clockwork, like the neighbors would come over, they'd hang out. I imagine how like my dad and like yep. Linda, they just congregate. The people were just drawn to John and Michelle, their loving attitudes, how much fun they were. They were dear friends. They just created this environment. They're just people that you wanted to be around. And it shows, I mean, Jeff came over there, you know, ready to help out the best he could. Exactly. I mean, Michelle was a dear friend listening to her sisters talk about her, how close they were. They just sound like two absolutely lovely people. And it is so unfair that they're gone in the way that they were gone. And Michelle's Michelle talked about how, um, you know, her dad has never been the same or Michelle's sister. I'm sorry. Talked about how her dad has never been the same that, you know, the day Michelle died, basically their dad died. These crimes have just a ripple effect across families, and it's it's just, to me, it's extremely tragic. The last person I just want to send thoughts out to, positive thoughts, is Jeff. Yeah. I mean, you are that's, a hero. that you survived, you're a hero, but to have to live with that, with that sight that in, mm-hmm. and live with that for the rest of your life, the police officers that had to respond, just any person that has that image burned in their brain, brain, so that's that case. Wow, what yeah. a doozy. Thanks and for the And that was the, the light version. That was the light version. The if light. you want more details, go ahead. But we're going to... Yeah, we're, we're, I'm good I think that, that was enough to still make the stomach turn. As always, if you could leave a review, we appreciate it. Our merch store is open. The link is in the bio. Love like, seeing the pictures. comment, subscribe. Love seeing the photos of people getting their bad human merch. Um, it's really fun to see it come to life. Yeah, that's awesome. So thank you all so much for supporting us. We're almost at the two-month mark. This has been so much fun, but it's fun because of you all. So we hope we continue to grow together. Boom. And with that, as always, please remember to love, respect, and treat yourself. Motherfucker. Why can't I say it right? Please remember to treat yourself and each other with love, kindness, and respect. Hey. Nailed it. I am K-Mac. And I am, of course, the answer. Good Good night. night.